0: I'd like you again, please, to turn with me in your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And we were there last week, and I'd encourage you to do that. You can either turn there, or you can click your phones, or your iPads, or whichever means you use to read God's Word. Really grateful for all of those online who are sitting in their lounges, or wherever you find yourself. People even, uh, I have found, is they go hiking and then they sit down with their cell phones and they follow us on online. And so it's great just to have all of you here and just to worship with us. Also particularly grateful for those guys and girls at the back there who are helping us with the live stream. That is such a great help. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'd like to read verses 13 to chapter 5, and so let's see there, 11, chapter 5, verse 11. So, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And then he says again, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. Beautiful, isn't it? When you read the scriptures here, you'll find out that the term encourage one another with these words are repeated time after time after time. And the days that the Thessalonian Christians were living in were troublesome times. They were being persecuted for their faith. That means that if they proclaimed the name of Jesus, they would be killed for their testimony. And there were many other things going on in those days. There were diseases like you and I are going through here. Those times were uncertain because people's children and people's spouses were taken away from them and put into prison. They were difficult times, and so we see that the Scripture, for the most part, were written to us thousands of years ago during difficult times. And so what we read here is directly applicable to your life and mine. And so the Christians were battling. They were struggling because their loved ones were put to death. And um, they were asking questions about what was happening to their loved ones. And those are very, very good questions to ask or to their friends. What happens when you die for the name of Jesus? They didn't have the scriptures like you and I have it today. And so we see that Paul and others came, and they talked to them, and they wrote letters to them about what God was saying, and that's how the Scriptures were written, because God used those human personalities, and as they were writing the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, the book of Timothy, and Titus tells us, came upon these holy men of old and directed what they wrote. And it was inspired by God. That means what we read here is inspired by God, not by men, but by God. These are the very thoughts of God that's been pinned down here for us. And as they were pinned down for us, they were given so that we can be encouraged. And so that we could know what God is doing within our time. And so Paul is telling the Christians here, and he says to them, everything that you've gone through and everything that you're going through, there's no certainties here. You may lose your life or you may not. You may get through this and you may not physically, but he says there's one thing is for sure. He says, whatever happens, whether it is in life, or whether it is in death. He says here, we will live for God. Isn't that wonderful? In verse 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Now the term here, whether we are awake or asleep, is an interesting term. Awake, that means whether we are alive, or asleep means whether we are dead. In the Bible, they use the term asleep for when someone dies. Now, confusion has occurred here within the church here, and they said, well, what happens when someone falls asleep and they die? As a matter of fact, this term asleep only refers to Christians. Isn't that interesting? In the Scriptures refers to Christians. where you fall asleep, what happens? It speaks about the body when the body dies. When you breathe your last, the body sleeps, not the spirit or the soul. And we've got to look at that because the Bible says the spirit or the soul, the moment when life leaves our bodies, the spirit or the soul, or the spirit and the soul, whichever way you dichotomize the two, is with Jesus Straight away. And so he says to them, I want to encourage you with these words. (laughs) You see, what Paul was saying to the church here is, if you could trust God with your death one day, you could trust Him with your life today. Isn't that wonderful? That's the principle, that's the truth for this morning. If you could trust God with your death one day, you could trust him with your life today. Because he says it doesn't matter whether we are awake or asleep. We will live together with him. And that is the force that drove the Christian church here was that whether I'm alive or whether I die, the body is asleep, it goes into the grave, but the spirit and the soul is with Jesus. And so I've just very broadly gave this topic to this message this morning. Have you heard the words, R-I-P. What does that stand for, anybody? Sorry? Rest in peace. That's right. Resting in peace. And it's just interesting. A number of years ago, some Reformed um, Protestant theologians got together, and they debated this term, rest in peace, R-I-P. And they were saying that this term, rest in peace, is actually not a biblical term. And I went through it, and over the years, I've looked at so often on Facebook now, when someone passes away and someone feels sympathy for the family or for the person, they'll put their rest in peace. It's almost like a prophetic statement to people who die, rest in peace. And every time when I hear it, there's something within my spirit that kind of just rises up. Because Not everybody will rest in peace. You see, for Christians in life, God's promised us rest. There remains rest to the people of God in the book of Hebrews. And then for the Christian today, there is peace. God gives us peace. So in that sense, it is absolutely true. But when we use the term for someone when they die to rest in peace, my friends, for Christians, the body dies... But the Spirit is with Jesus. Do you think Jesus is resting in peace at the moment? No way. He is working his He he's involved. And my friends, all of those loved ones who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who has received salvation for their lives where Jesus had rescued them from their sins and where he has adopted them into his family and where these people's names have been written. As the book of Revelation says, their names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. The moment the body dies, the spirit is with the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, there is fullness of someone help me. Joy within his presence. is a little bit different from the word rest in peace. Would you agree? Oh, it's worlds apart. My goodness, I think half of you wouldn't want to go to heaven if you're just going to rest and do nothing. I have a friend of mine who's discovered this truth. And he says, Peter, I cannot stand it when Christians give the picture of heaven where you sit on a pink cloud with a harp sorry for all of you who do play a harp, but uh, and, a, and you're playing a harp on a pink cloud and you have some white wings and this is the perception of heaven. He says, it's not so. I said, I agree with you because the Bible speaks at the end of the day that there will be a new heavens and a new earth that will hover over the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be a new Jerusalem, which is a heavenly city, and you and I will be given tasks to do, and we'll rule over cities, the Bible tells us. My friends, that's a far, far call from resting in peace. My friends, heaven, or the new Jerusalem, or the new age that is to come is going to be so exciting, full of adventure, and for all eternity, We are going to be together, and we are going to do things with God. We're going to partner Him. And my friends, it is going to be an incredible journey that lasts forever and forever and forever. And Paul says, encourage one another with these words. And so I did some word studies, and we don't have time to do it today, just on the what happened before Jesus died, when people died, and word studies and the scriptures after Jesus died and what happened. You see, when people died before the resurrection of Jesus, there was the upper regions of Sheol and the lower regions of Sheol. And the people who did not trust in God went to the lower regions of Sheol. That's where the rich man went. And the upper regions of Sheol is where the people who were righteous went through the sacrifices and by hope in the resurrection, they went there. And that is where the poor man went. And they could talk to one another in the regions of Sheol. But you see, when Jesus rose from the dead, he separated that. And believers who die are with Jesus straight away. And that's why I agree with these guys who took issue with um, rest in peace. There's certain churches that speaks about soul sleep where the Christian just sleeps until Jesus comes. That's not biblical. Um, there are some that teach us that people will have a second time to convert to Christ Jesus When they are asleep. After they've died, you know, you could pray for departed souls so that they can be saved. It is totally not biblical. It's not Bible. You get one chance, and that chance is here and now. It's appointed, the Hebrew writer says, it's appointed unto man to die once. And then the judgment. Once. Not twice, not three times. Once. And so we have the opportunity. The Hebrew writer also says, now today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. He says, you have the opportunity today, embrace it with all of your heart because you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. So today is the day of salvation. But the most beautiful thing is, Paul writes to the church here and he says, Jesus coming back again one day, should be an encouragement to you. So I just want to look at a few scriptures this morning to help us to realize that the way we see God in death is the way we need to see him in life here and now. If you can trust him with your death one, day you could trust him with your life today. You see, my friends, death is the great separator. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ is enormous. So we know that death is the great separator, but Jesus Christ is the great reconciler. And that's the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. Without Jesus, we'll die in our sins. And we'll go to an endless eternity without him. That will go on forever and forever and forever. But when Jesus reconciles us to God, when we trust him as our Lord and Savior, we will go to eternity with him live forever with Him and for with all those who received Him. And we'll be with Him forever. My friends, it is clear in Scripture that there are two eternities, one with God, where there is joy forevermore. And there is another eternity Where all those, it doesn't matter how good they are, who have not accepted the Lord Jesus as their Savior, they'll go to an endless eternity of torment, the Bible says, separation from God, and they'll be there with all evildoers, even good people, my friend, because our good deeds don't get us to heaven. That's a lie of the devil. He says, do so many good deeds. Well, how many good deeds do we need to do to get to heaven? Twenty? 50 in our lifetime? No, that doesn't work. We don't know. We can never do enough good deeds to become righteous in God. We become righteous in God when we trust what God's word says, that Jesus died for us on the cross, that he took our sins upon himself. And when we trust him as our Lord and Savior, those sins are forgiven, and he places eternity within our hearts. So it is not by your goodness that you go to heaven. It is through the goodness of Jesus that you go to heaven one day. And it's the great lie that the devil sells to people is that if you're good, if you're good enough, well, how, how do we know that we are good enough? What's the bar? Who do we rate ourselves against whether we are better than them or not. I've realized there are always someone who's better than me. Have you realized that? There's always someone better than you. (laughs) But no one can step into that place where Jesus can. When he steps into our place, my friends, he puts eternity within our hearts. And so Paul speaks to the Christians here who have God's eternity within their hearts. And he says, whatever happens here, Don't worry, we will spend eternity with him. How long are we destined to live here? Well, it differs, doesn't it? I'm hoping that I'll be here. I think I'm going to die at the age of hundred and thirty. Everybody around me, we couldn't stand you for that long here. And I understand that. So God has determined a day and a time for me to die, where the body dies. And at that very, very moment, I'll be with him forever and forever. But the Bible says, as you read the scripture here, the spirit goes to be with Jesus where there is joy forevermore. And I don't know what we all will do, but Hebrews speaks about a great cloud of witnesses in the book of Hebrews. He says there is a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know what that great cloud of witnesses do. Maybe they are the ones who died in Christ. Body is resting, but the spirit is with him. And he says, there's a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know what they do. And so we see, it's very, very exciting when we die in Christ. It's not the end. Oh, death, where is your sting? Paul says. Oh, grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God who has given us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he speaks about death. Here. He says, death cannot hold you and the grave cannot keep you. As Jesus was resurrected from the dead, so will you and I. And he says again, comfort one another with these words. So we see that death is the great separator, but Jesus Christ is the great reconciler. It is very clear what happens when we die as Christians. Well, just simply, and I'll answer that question again as I've spoken. Your body is given to the grave, but your spirit or your soul is with Jesus. And then one day, when he comes back, the second return of Christ, you and I who have died in Christ will come back with him, and then he will raise up our bodies, and he'll give us a new body and the spirit and the body will come together in that day and then we will forever be with the Lord. And there's a whole lot of other things that happens during that period as well. So that's what happens to Christians. One of my great joys, and it sounds paradoxically in nature, is to conduct funeral services of Christians. You say, your great joy, absolutely. It's hard for the family at the time, but my friends, there is such a sense of rejoicing because the promise of God is fulfilled when people do die. An amazing thing, because there is such hope for all of others. There is the hope of a reunion one day with our lost loved ones who know Jesus. And that's why I say to people at the funerals that I've done, in in our previous church, I think I don't know how many hundreds of funerals that we did because we had a church where we had a lot of older people, a lot of younger couples, and a lot of young people. But the church was 120 years old, and there were some people who's been a part of that church for 80 years, and the greatest joy of my life is to conduct this service, to give the family hope that if they have a faith just like these, who had died, that there will be a great reunion one day. The greatest inheritance that I could leave behind for my children is for them to know that dad is in heaven when he dies. I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. But when God calls me home and I go home, both of my sons and Jenny, and my family and friends will know where to find me one day. Isn't right, that cool? Someone commented on... A pastor who said to the man when his wife died, he says, I'm so sorry um, that your wife has gone on. And the man said to him, my wife hasn't gone on. What do you mean? He says, you know, I'm so sorry that you lost your wife. The man says, I didn't lose my wife. He says, you lose something if you can't find it. He says, my wife is in heaven. I know where she's at. I haven't lost my wife. I love that, don't you? It's the same with my family. The day when I die, they know where to find me, and they know the way to find me. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to me but No no man goes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. That's the fact. You see, so my two sons know where to find me. My two sons know the way to find me. There will be a great reunion one day when we understand this wonderful, wonderful truth. So that's what happens when we die. Do we grieve? Absolutely. But not like, Paul says the world who have no hope. They grieve because they do not know where their loved one had gone. (laughs) Christians, when they die, and if those family are Christians, they know where to find their loved one. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Let me read a couple of scriptures for you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Can you see what Paul thinks? He says, when you are away from the body, where are you? Sleeping in the grave? No. He says, you are at home with the Lord. My goodness, what a great revelation. At home with the Lord. My friends, when someone dies tragically and they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the moment when they die, they are at home with the Lord. Home. There's no place like home, my friends. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see, there will be two judgments one day. There will be the judgment for believers, which we call the judgment seat of Christ, and that determines the rewards for service and what we have done here. The judgment seat of Christ is not whether you go to heaven or to hell one day. Heaven for those who know Jesus Christ, hell for those who do not know Jesus Christ. And my friends, whenever I use the word hell, I use it softly tenderly, because we ought to weep when we speak about hell. We in this church work very hard to get the gospel for people so that they can have a choice to either accept Jesus or not. But hell is a terrible place to go to. For the believer, the judgment seat of Christ is not whether you go to heaven or to hell. The judgment seat of Christ is only for believers, and it is determines the rewards for service. That's before the white throne judgment. That's the other judgment that will come. The white throne judgment are only for those who have never trusted Jesus as their Lord or Savior or who have rejected him. And that determines their judgment. And there is only one judgment. And that judgment is that you would spend eternity without Christ. Where they will not be any pleasures and joy forevermore. When I was a young pastor, I was leading a church in a place called Howick. And I was encouraged to do a study with a senior citizens group that gathered together every Thursday morning. There must have been about 30, 35 of them who would come to the study. And I sat there as a young pastor just Got out of Bible college a few years earlier, and I did a study on it. And as I was going through it, some of the older ladies within the group, as I was sharing what the gospel meant, and they just started to weep one by one as I was going through it, and they just started to weep. And after one wept, another one just started to weep, and they just started to cry and cry. And I looked at them and I said, what's wrong? And a number of them just said to me, Piet, I've been a Christian for many, many years. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. And a number of them, probably half of them said, but my husband never made that decision. Piet, what is going to happen to him? And they looked at me and they said, you don't have to tell us. We know what the Bible says. It's a great divide, my friends. And my heart broke for those ladies. And I kind of gave them some encouragement. And I said to them, you know what? You never know what happens on the deathbed of an individual. Salvation is by grace, not by what you do. Not by how you live, even. It is by what you believe. That's how salvation comes to you. It's by what you believe. Of course that affects the way we live, I understand that, but it's by what we believe that salvation comes to. And I said, there is a possibility, if you had shared the gospel with your husbands at his deathbed, that he could have cried out to God like the thief on the cross. There were two of them, Jesus in the middle, crucified, the one rejected, And hold insults at Jesus. The other one said, Jesus, would you remember me? Jesus said, today I will remember you and you'll be with me in paradise. And so I try to give them hope because I do believe that none of us can make a prediction where people are at. Amen. And we certainly don't do that within this church. For as long as there is breath, I pray that people will cry out to God. Because hell is no good place to go to. And that's why we pray for people. We did have our prayer meeting on Thursday night. We prayed for people that they would find Christ. Because we're passionate about it. We preach the gospel. That's why one of our central core values within this church is to be a gospel-centered people who tell people that they, how they can find Christ. But my friends... The scripture says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due to us for the things done in the body, while good or bad. And so for Christians, we will give an account for every outer word that we speak. Hence, our message a few weeks ago that we need to stay out of one another's business. And um, very important. It mustn't be busybody people because we will give an account for everything that we say. Stick to your own business. Amen? Very important. Another scripture that we see in the book of Acts is about Stephen when he was stoned by the Jews. So we've established that Paul believes that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord Jesus. according. To 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 and then we see in Acts chapter 7 verses 55 to 60, where Stephen was stoned by the Jews. This is what the scripture says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Isn't that incredible? My friends, I have that picture of every Christian who's about to give their final breath. This is the picture. That happens within their lives. Whenever a Christian is about to die, I believe Jesus stands up. Because the Bible speaks about Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. Agreed? When a believer is about to breathe his last, I think Jesus stands up as he did with Stephen. And Jesus reaches down and he grabs the hand of the one who is about to die when we are in Christ. And he receives us. Isn't that a cool picture? My friends, we never die as Christians without the presence of Jesus being with us. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Even in death, he's there and he grabs your hand. I've seen people who die who are Christians, and I've seen people who die without Christ, and there is a world of difference between the two. World of difference. Jesus comes and he stands beside the bed of the one who dies. And he takes them home to be with him forever. Comfort yourself with these words. Amazing. Peter says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid down their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Paul, who we just looked at, he was responsible for the death of Stephen here. I believe the gospel spoke to Saul, who became Paul at this very moment when he saw Stephen die. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were still stoning him, Stephen prayed. What did he say? Lord... Receive my spirit. Beautiful, isn't it? His spirit didn't stay in the grave. Jesus received his spirit. <laughs> isn't that good news? Yet you know, This makes me very, very excited. You can see I'm already preaching a little bit longer than what I should. But please don't tell anyone I'll get into trouble. <laughs> but this is so cool. This is the message that people need to hear. Receive my spirit. Jesus took it with him securely in that place of such security. My father, my friends, this is what God calls us to. And I'm going to stop right here and we'll continue next week with the second part here. But I want to emphasize, if you can trust Jesus with your death one day as the scripture says here, then you can trust him with your life today. Don't have to live in fear, but you could live in peace.